Hello everybody and welcome to In My Mug, episode number 122 on Monday the 14th of March 2011. My name is Steve Layton and I'm rather a fan of the beverage that they call coffee. Um, another success last week it felt um, from the feedback that you gave me. Uh, it seemed like quite a few other people had not enjoyed Peru's in the past. Um, I think we managed to change a few minds which is awesome. Um, and. Yeah, it's also changed mine. We're hoping that coffee's going to be around for a little while longer too, so that is good news. Um, so on to this week's, and this week's is from somewhere that I do love, but I know it's not so popular with some of you guys. Um, it's from Nicaragua, um, and Nick was the first country I ever visited, growing, coffee growing country I ever visited, so it has a really special place in my heart, um, and I adore some of the coffees that come from there. One of my all-time favourites, Co-op the 21st of September um, from 2005 is from Nicaragua, and I just, I just love it. And this is from a farm that we've had on In My Mug in the past, and it's called Santa Mara. It's based in the northern central part of Nicaragua, uh, in the mountainous area. Um, and there's a range of uh, Darnese and Isabella, um, and it's where they meet. Uh, the altitude of the farm is around about 1,150 metres. Um, and, uh, yeah, it has uh, a great microclimate going on there where the temperatures uh, kind of range between 10 and 28 degrees C, depending on the time of year. Uh, and it's right, right within uh, a national park, which is called uh, Dantel El Diablo, um, which is a really large area. Uh, the farm is uh, split into some different varietals. They have Pacamara, which is this one, Catura, uh, Bourbon, Catayi, uh, and Maricatu. And Maricatu is the one that we've had in the past, um, which uh, was very popular, uh, didn't hang around long, and I don't expect this one to do the same. Um, Family owned the farm, have managed it for 80 years uh, and employ around about 250 to 1,100 people during the height of uh, picking season, which is a huge farm, um, absolutely massive. Uh, on the farm they provide uh, schooling for the children, medical services, um, it's kind of like everything, the whole social aspect is really important um, to, to, to the farm owners and they, um, they have uh, social security, electricity, water, food, they've really got a good quality housing, um, things like a baseball team for the children, a baseball, never understood in Nicaragua why they love baseball so much but they do and they really don't like football that much. Um, one of the few central South American countries that kind of surprised me about that. Um, the farm and the kind of whole setup of the farm is kind of very uh, based around ecological uh, kind of environmental issues, making sure that everything is preserved, uh, trying to stop pollution. They try to kind of reuse as much of the, the waters that they can. Um, they've got a, a, within the farm, there's a, a college, what's it called? It's not a college, it's like a, like a university that have a, a base station there so they can experiment on the farm and see exactly what's going on in the area, which I think is, um, you know, it's really cool that they've gone to that length. For Everybody says, oh, we care about the environment and we want to look after the farm, but very few people go to that kind of extent. Um, they've also got uh, turbines on the farm, which are, uh, are powered by uh, waste, uh, human waste, and... Um, that kind of creates electricity for the people with, who are living within the farm. So again, it's taking something that would be normally 
highly pollutive uh, and, and making sure that they, they reuse. And things like uh, the parchment from the coffee bean when it comes off, um, it's distributed amongst the people on the farm to use it for fuel to cook with and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and the farm has, it has a, uh, a motto and it's kind of like, um, taste the fruits of our labor is it taste the fruit taste the fruits of our labors um, which is yeah, basically they're just very proud of the the work and effort that they put in um, now for those of you who are drinking this coffee uh, as you watch this video and you've grown them up just you'll have noticed that the beans are huge um, this is because the varietal is pacamara pacamara is originally from El Salvador and it's a hybrid uh, that was put together by the Salvadorian Institute for Coffee Research, the ICIC, ISIC, I see. Um, back in 1958. Um, I do promise you I will put together a varietal sheet on the blog this week for, for this, but it's basically a, a mix of Pacas, which is a mutation of Bourbon, uh, naturally found and first found in the Santrana region of El Salvador, and Red Maragajip, which is a huge seed, huge fruit, and often referred to as a giant bean, or um, I think elephant ears. I, I don't like those terms. I like to call it mariga sheep. But it is huge. Um, as I say, it was very, it's very popular in El Salvador, but like over the ten, past 10, 15 years or so, we've seen uh, it planted in a lot more countries. And somewhere I've seen quite a bit of it is, is in Nicaragua. Um, they seem to have the climate to kind of really, really, really suit the coffee. And... Um, uh, produces a very unique cut profile. So, some numbers. Farm is called Finca Santa Mora. Uh, the varietal is Pacamara. Uh, the processing on this one is a fully washed, and it's a proper washed in fermentation tanks and, uh, and then sun-dried on patios. Um, an altitude of 1,150 metres, owned by George, uh, uh, George Armando Chavez, uh, and it's from the region of Giotenga. And I really always think that should be called, that should be a Pokemon, Giotenga. Um, so, before I go make the drinks and whap you on paws and all of that stuff, in the break I'm going to show you the fifth and has been brewing guide. Um, and as you will see, it is a cupping one, so it's not really a brewing guide. But um, to commemorate the launch and to kind of do it, I'm going to also cup the coffee uh, as well as do the, the other three tasting brew methods. So, um, oh yes, we've also launched a cupping bowl and cupping spoon on the site. So if you go and have a look on hasbeen.co.uk, you can see there's a lovely spoon bowls and you get three coffees that you can cup with it, which is uh, to go with the video. Right, wipe your paws, we'll be back in just a moment. Hello everybody, and welcome to the fifth in the series of the Has Been Brewing Guide. My name is Steve Layton, and today we're gonna to be taking a look at the process of cupping. I know you're shouting at your computer, but that's not a brewing method. And you're right, but it's a great way to taste coffee and can also be a new level of interest for your hobby of coffee. First of all, you're gonna need some things. You're gonna need some cupping bowls. Now you can use mugs as long as they're the same size and have a wide mouth, but dedicated bowls are best. A cupping spoon. A large spoon will do, but again, it's always best to have the right kit. Some coffee, preferably some that you can compare. Freshly roasted, of course. A grinder, a kettle, some scales, a timer, and two spoons and another mug. Step one, boil the kettle. Step two, weigh out 12 grams of coffee beans that you want to cup and put them into the cupping bowl. Mark the bowl, starting with one, going upwards, so you can know which coffee that you're going to be cupping. It's best to cup them blind. 
Then grind the coffee to a very coarse consistency. Think grit. Step three, get that snozzer in the bowl. This is the highlight and should be thoroughly enjoyed. Step four, fill the bowl starting at one and don't dally. For the first time ever, I'm not gonna recommend using scales when using water, but that's why it's important they're all the same size. Go back and top up at the end if you need to, to make sure they're filled to the rim. Step five, wait four minutes. While you wait, have another sniff of those wet grounds. It's a great chance to see what that coffee will be delivering to those taste buds. Step six, on four minutes, start at bowl one, get the back of the spoon and break the crust that's formed on the top. That gust of aromatics that are released when you break the crust is amazing and not to be missed. As soon as the spoon goes in, stir three times, no more, no less. If you stir twice or four times, the cupping police will be round your house and be very, very unhappy. Between each cup, use a bowl of water to wash off the spoon. Step seven, go back to one and scoop off the ground in a crab pincer movement. Again, cleaning the spoon after each bowl is really important. Think hygiene. Step eight, clear away all the tools you've been using and replace the bowl of clean water with another one because it's gonna be dirty by now. Step nine. So when you're ready to taste, place some on the spoon, making sure you aerate the liquid as you take it in. Something like Step 10. Think about what flavours you taste. No flavour is too ridiculous. If you perceive it, then it's there. Write these down as you taste the coffee. Look for highlights like sweetness, acidity, body, and how it feels in the mouth. Flavours and how they hold together is what cupping is all about. You can use a cupping sheet, and I would recommend that you do that, but don't get too hung up on it. The most important part is what you taste. Step 11. Keep going back to the cups and keep going until it's lukewarm. The coffee will change over time and it's really important that you assess it at the very, very hottest and the very, very coolest. If a coffee doesn't hold together, it should be punished. But if it gets better, that should also be reflected. If you follow these simple steps, you can begin to assess coffee and score it. And this will help your palate grow and understand the differences between coffees. Thank you for watching this guide and I do hope that you've enjoyed it. I also hope that you'll take a look at some of the other brew guides we've done. My name is Steve Layton, and remember, life is too short for bad coffee. Right, so that was a little bit of a faff. Um, I couldn't find the coffee, found it eventually. So let's just dive straight into the espresso first of all. A little bit of a stir as we always recommend now. Okay, so the smell, we smell lots of kind of citrusy notes on there. And as I expected, there's lots of citrus on the front end. Um, almost like a kind of tropical fruit kind of hit with it. I'm going to be, for the first time ever, I'm, since doing it this way, I'm actually going to say, that's not for me. It's too tart. It's too in your face. Um, doesn't, doesn't rock my world, but I know that it will a little later on, so um, I'm going to go into the cap next. Now the milk calms it down just a little and it makes it less tart, um, but you still get lots of those citrus notes coming through. You get lots of the tropical fruit, pineapple, but much better than the espresso. 
the creaminess and the sweetness of the milk just kind of brings it all together a little bit more. So I'm going to show you pictures of the rose colour now. Um, what you'll see here, this is a, uh, a medium roast, uh, no more than that. Um, Snozz are in the bowl. Okay. Again, you smell lots of things that I've tasted in there. That whole tropical fruit thing just does not go away. So, if you've, you've just seen the cupping video, you know what I'm doing now, but... Don't want the cupping police coming round, that's enough. I should be better organised than this and have a bowl better than that one. And I don't have anything to wash the spoons with, so it's a bit of a bodge today on the cupping, I'm afraid. But that's the beauty of the camera. So, a little bit on the spoon and... Now you see this is a real cupping coffee because what you get here, it is obviously pineapple. It's like so obviously pineapple now in there and a, and a little bit in here but it, it, it's not so much. It's quite difficult to pick out the pineapple but in here it jumps out at you in the cupping bowl. You get a real kind of tropical fruit and get loads of creaminess. Think pineapples covered in cream kind of sitting there but like lots of cream not a little bit it's super creamy so all that tartness from the acidity gets neutralized by the creaminess <laughs> really really it's a great place to look at this coffee and a lot of the reason why I chose it for this week's in my mug um, oh, actually I'm going to take it off I'm not tilted. I forget it's not the Hario and it's the Kona so this is one of the Kona Kona pots uh, that pot I made earlier, I've been playing with the Konas a little bit recently and uh, and with the uh, Hario ones as well. Um, that pot is a, a really interesting brew method that uh, I need to learn more about. So what I'm smelling here is much more what I'm smelling in the cupping bowl than I am in the espresso or the, the cappuccino, so... Yeah. Beautiful pineapple. We were talking about this on Friday um, as we were cupping the last of the production roasts. Uh, and me, Andy, and Dale were all all in agreement about the pineapple. Like it was just it hitting us in the face. But we were saying afterwards it's a little bit of a chugging coffee, and by that I just mean you can drink it. And particularly as a brewed coffee, you just drink it and you don't kind of go, oh, I'm overanalyzing this because it's not super complex. And for a Pacamara, that's very unusual. Um, but what you are getting is just this beautiful, easy to drink, very sweet, very acidic and fruity, beautiful coffee. Um, so, order of preference. I'm going to put the cupping bowl first because I love that on the cupping table and that's why we chose it this week because I think it's a great cupping coffee. Brewed next, cappuccino layer and espresso somewhere down here. Um, so, three things to know about this coffee. One, it's a fully washed coffee from the Giotenga region, that should be a Pokemon. Um, two, I think it's a perfect brewed coffee. I don't think it's a great espresso. Um, for my tastes, you may love it, and I'm sure I'm going to get loads of emails now saying, well, I like this espresso, and I'm sure you will. That's great, that's why we were all so different. And that's why when, I, when it says good for espresso, or good for brewed, and sometimes you find that you disagree with me, it's because it's my opinion, it's not necessarily right. Um, 
And the third thing to know about this coffee is its taste profile. So tropical fruits, pineapple, uh, super creamy, rich aftertaste. Um, cool. So numbers, Santamara, Pacamara, uh, processed, fully washed and dried on patios, altitude 1,150 metres above sea level, owner is George Armando Chavez, and the region is Geotenga. Cool. Well, I'm going to finish, I'm going to go home, and um, I'm going to actually enjoy some more of this coffee at home, I think, as well. Do remember, though, life is too short. Oh, whoa, nearly. Just wanted to say on here, congratulations uh, to the Italian barista champion um, who uh, won this, I think it was Tuesday. Um, we've been working with Francesco Snapes for a little while and he used our coffee um, and we were very, very proud and very, very excited of uh, him using our coffee in the Italian barista championships. You know, Italy and all of its espresso culture and history. Um, a little roast from the UK doing well. Um, so well done, Francesco, and Tuesday, Wednesday this week, I would very much like to uh, wish all the best, everybody competing of course, but in particular, Hayley, I'm going to miss somebody out here I know, Mike, um, Luke, uh, Dale, um, uh, Gordon, and one more, come on Steve, there's one more. There will be parties, there will be fun, there will be prizes for everyone and hey, 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 here comes Richard. Richard, Richard, I'm sorry, Richard, Richard, there we go. So that's Hayley, Richard, Luke, Dale, G. I forgot somebody else. Mike! Whew. Really good luck with the competition, guys. Super proud and pleased that you're using our coffee. Um, and now I can finish on Life is Too Short for Bad Coffee.